You know, I just feel blessing. I just feel blessed in so many ways. Amen. Amen. As you're turning to Psalm 73, this, uh, this comes from about two weeks ago. In fact, it was the afternoon after our first service here in this building when I was going to work and I told you I just can't seem to get away from it. Just the urgency to to give you something every time God gives me the opportunity to be up here. And this message God laid on my heart as I was heading to work that day. And I've been pondering it ever since. And I think this is one of the most critical that I may have ever given to you. And you may wonder why at times, but this is why. And I want to talk about blessing today. We are in a critical time. I say it every week, and I'm going to keep saying it. We're in a critical time in our world. We've seen things beyond our comprehension take place. If you feel, if you realize how quickly, you know, it's kind of like the old analogy of you put a frog in a in a pot of water on the stove, and you turn the stove on, he'll sit there and doesn't notice the the heat rise until he actually boils to death. And, and sometimes the things are so gradual that we don't really catch the intensity of it. But I, I challenge us to stop a minute and look back five years, two years even, three years, where we were as a nation, how much America has changed in just the last couple of years. It's incredible how much this nation has changed. And we don't often think about it unless we take a moment and think about it. Psalm 73, it says... Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet are almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but the strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride comforts them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have clenched my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Father, give us something today. Use me, Lord, as, a, as an oracle to speak your heart to these people. Let my flesh and blood be out of the way, and let the Spirit of God have His way. We praise you in Jesus' holy and righteous name. Amen. David was struggling. Now, who was David? David was a man who had a testimony of basically delivering lunch one day as a teenager. And as he's delivering lunch provisions, he hears, who later is identified as the uncircumcised Philistine, hollering across the ravine to Israel, daring them, throwing insults, 
And David's heart welled up within him. And he said, he said, is there no more God in Israel? I mean, God hasn't changed. What in the world is wrong with you people? Somebody go clean that guy's clock. It might not say that exactly in your translation. But it was something similar. And when these great, mighty Israeli soldiers weren't going to do anything, David, as a 17-year-old kid or somewhere in that range, said, well, I'll do it. And he can't even carry the armor because it's too heavy. Later on, he becomes the man chosen to lead Israel. A man who saw victory after victory after victory in that the, the current king, Saul, was jealous of this young upstart coming on the scene. And, and it really bugged him when people started yelling, Saul has killed his hundreds, but David his thousands. Oh, you want to get a king upset? <laughs> he wasn't happy with David. But David saw victory in battle after victory in battle. And, and he ascended to the throne on God's hand. God put him, placed him as the king of Israel. He was a special man in so many ways. But here, David, who had seen so much, experienced so much, had been blessed in so many ways, David was saying, I don't understand why the heathen prosper. You ever feel that way? It's kind of weird when you look around the world and you say, well, you know, God's people are supposed to be blessed, but the richest people in the world aren't Christians. Am I judging them? I'm not trying to. I just don't believe that a lot of these, uh, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, some of these, I don't really believe they're, the, they're godly people based on their life. And you say, well, why are God's people not blessed more than they are? And I can tell you from my own perspective, I've been there. I have called out to God and I said, God, I don't understand. I have paid my tithes faithfully. I have been faithful to you. I have given. And yet, we're struggling so bad. Why is that? I don't understand it. And honestly, I remember a, a couple of times in our marriage where we made a conscious effort that we were going to give more than we had ever given. We made that conscious decision to do that. And and we would give uh, beyond what we'd ever done before. And every time we'd done that, it was just before something fell out, the bottom fell out, and we lost everything. I said, wait a minute. That was supposed to be the opposite. That's not the way it's supposed to work when you give, when you're faithful. But God had to teach David a lesson on blessing here. God has to teach us a lesson on blessing sometimes. If I said... Are you blessed? Everybody would say, absolutely. Well, what is blessing? What is a blessing? What does that mean, I am blessed? Because, see, we, we struggle with that. And I love the way the Amplified calls it. It says, happy to be envied, spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. That's how it describes blessing. Basically, you got it, even though the, what you're looking at may not look like it. <laughs> and sometimes we live there as Christians. You say, well, I just don't see this blessing. Now, now what is, sometimes blessing is perspective. And see, I've been 
pondering this and praying about this and for, for a couple of weeks now, and it's really changed my view of blessing, and I pray that it'll help you, because I believe in the days that are ahead, we're going to have to realize what blessing is and what blessing isn't. Mm-hmm. Now, my son and I can stand out on a uh, winter day or a fall day or a spring day or a weird summer day and watch the snow fall. And uh, I see it, and I just love it. I, I'm just like, I love snow. I absolutely love it. And my son standing next to me will go, oh, I hate snow. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing. Something struck me with that. We're both standing in the same spot. <laughs> We're both experiencing the exact same thing. One considers it a blessing, the other one considers it a cursing. And that really started to strike me. I started, wait a minute. There's something weird here. How do we define blessing? Uh, What if you had to take a trip? Say you had to go 500 miles away. You had to get there for something. It's very important that you get there. And somebody shows up in a 2014 GT500, you know, souped up raw and says, come on, I'll give you a ride. Oh, wouldn't you consider that a blessing? (laughs) Yes, let's go. That's a blessing. But what if they showed up in an LTD? Are you still blessed? Yeah, absolutely. What if they showed up in a Yugo? Are you still blessed? If it gets me there. If it gets you there. What if the Yugo doesn't get you there but breaks down part of the way? Are you still blessed? Yes. What if there's somebody right there who happens to have the part that you need to fix a Yugo? And anybody who has a part for a Yugo sitting around, but, it, you know, they have that part, they just have... Were you blessed? What if you don't have a Yugo? What if all you have is a bicycle? Are you blessed if you have the strength to pedal 500 miles on a bicycle? Are you blessed? You see how blessing is so relative? It really is relative. It's in the way we view it so often. We, we are, I hear it all the time, living where we do. I think this is as close to heaven on earth as you can get. I love Ion. I hear other people say, oh, I can't wait to get out of this one horse town. Oh, I can't stand it here. It's a matter of the way we view things. It's a little bit of that old positive mental attitude thing. Oh, don't be getting into that stuff. Hey, there's nothing wrong with positive mental attitude as long as it doesn't become your gospel. There's nothing wrong with looking at life through a positive lens instead of always through a negative lens. We we got on the plane the other day and there's a lady right in front of us. (laughs) And immediately upon sitting down, there was nothing that Delta Airlines had ever done right. The way their ticketing was stupid, the way their service was stupid, their scheduling is stupid, everything's stupid. You can see the other two people kind of trying to push away, you know. Everything, I hate it. And some poor kid in front of her held up a a phone, you know, everybody nowadays has to take selfies. Even the president's taking selfies, weirdest thing ever. But this kid holds up a phone and he clicks, and she said, did you just take a picture of me? And he said, uh, no, I took a picture of me. And she said, but I was in that picture. You didn't get permission to get my picture. I don't want you plastering my picture all over the internet. <laughs> the kid was all wide-eyed. And she said something I don't want to repeat. 
<laughs> and you, why would you want to go through life that way? I went in a Burger King one time and I was standing there looking at the menu and I'm going. This lady turned around and she said, oh God, don't whistle. That's <laughs> it. Excuse me? <laughs> she said, if I wanted music, I'd have brought my boombox in. <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing. I thought it was hilarious. So I go up there and I order my food, and she was still standing next to me. And I got my order done. And I said, "Is that okay if I order that?" <laughs> <laughs> she actually said, "You know, that was really out of line." And we kind of battered back and forth after that. She settled down. But you know, we have to realize the way we look at things is whether it's a blessing or not. Mm-hmm. If you sit at home and hate I own. You're not going to feel blessed here. (laughs) And you can relate that to anything in your life. That stupid old raggedy car that I've got on 280,000 miles on it and ugly, and boy, I wish I had a new one. (laughs) Or thank God I have a car that runs. Praise the Lord. I wish that crazy husband of mine would do what I tell him to do. I give him a list of things and he never gets it done. Or thank God I have a man with me. You know, I mean, you can go down the list. Everything in your life is that way, right? Blessing. See, this is where David was at. He was struggling with this because he had everything. As you and I would look at it, this is David. This is a man after God's own heart. And he'd say, why do the heathen prosper? And the problem was he was looking at the heathen and not looking at him and God. That's where the problem comes in. And, and blessing is relative. It's really relative in, in so many ways. It's perspective and it's relative. If I, if I was to hand everybody here an envelope, and I would say, I put money in that envelope and it's yours, what would you do? You would open that envelope and you'd go, oh, thank you. What a blessing. But you know what you do next? <laughs> That's what you'd do. And as you open that envelope and you pulled out your $50 and you looked at it, you say, well, I feel so blessed right now. And then you go like that and see $1,000 in the person's hand next to you. And all of a sudden, your blessing would be gone. You would no longer be blessed. You would be cursed. What? He got 1000 You only gave me 50 You see what I'm talking about here? We, In order to be blessed, we have to realize that we are blessed. Whether you get a dollar, whether you get $1,000. Whether it's snowing, whether it's raining, whether it's sunshine, whether you're in Ione or New York City, it doesn't matter what your circumstances. And that's what that definition said. Let me read it again. Blessed, according to the Amplified, is happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward condition. That's a powerful statement right there. Your outward condition should not have any bearing on whether you're blessed or not. Now we have to think about blessing. The Bible says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. And I've been pondering that passage right there in relation to this. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Does that mean that if you seek God, seek hunger, and you hunger and thirst after righteousness, God's going to do something in specific to bless you? 
He may. You know, I'm not saying he's not. But let me tell you this. If you live your day without ungodly anger, jealousy, hatred, uh, alcohol, uh, cigarettes, uh, pornography, you know, <laughs> theft, uh, you can go down the list of any sin you can imagine down the list. If you went through your day without touching any of those things, you would be blessed. God wouldn't have to do anything. You see what I'm saying? Blessing is serving God. Seeking God with your whole heart creates blessing in and of itself without God. And I think God does specifically touch people and bless them when they seek His face. I'm not taking that away from this at all. I'm saying obeying God instantly creates blessing. Because every kind of sin you name will destroy you. Every one of them brings anguish, misery, and hurt into your life. I don't care what it is. You say, well... Nobody sees mine. I'm a little jealous, but nobody sees it. It eats in here. That's right. There are sins that eats in here, and there are sins that eats out here, and there are sins that eats out there. Things that we get into have a detrimental effect. A sin in our life has a detrimental effect no matter what it is. Any kind of sin brings death. I read earlier, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you want trouble in your life, go to ungodly people for counsel. <laughs> you see what I'm saying there? It doesn't even take God doing anything. Say, well, I, if I go to a godly counselor, God's going to do something special for me. Blessing isn't necessarily God doing anything. Blessing is God laying out a pattern for us to live that brings joy and peace and contentment into our lives. He laid it out there. Blessing is a natural response to that. A natural uh, result of that. When we serve God, we instantly have blessing in our life. You can imagine, just pop a name, Tom Cruise, uh, say his career is, is, is winding down. I don't know if it is. Uh, don't care. But he gets a call one day from his agent. His agent says, hey, they're doing a toothpaste commercial over in Colville, Washington. They want you to, to uh, be in that, and they'll pay you $5,000. What would Tom Cruise say? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Ha! <laughs> $5,000. Ha! <laughs> I'm not going to go do no stupid toothpaste commercial for $5,000. If your phone rang, and somebody said, we're doing a toothpaste commercial in Colville, Washington, and we think you would be the perfect one for that, we will pay you $5,000. Who wouldn't be up dancing right now? <laughs> you see how it's such a perspective? God blesses us. We are so absolutely blessed. And it's not necessarily to Him doing anything. And I, I ask everybody to go around and pray blessing on, on each one. And I want that to happen. I want God to specifically touch every single one and bless them. But blessing sometimes is the way we think. Stinking thinking will kill us. That's right. <laughs> the old saying. Remember that old preacher used to say that? That's stinking thinking. Stinking thinking will destroy us. It'll take our joy and our peace from us. Matthew chapter 5, if you'll go there. And I think a lot of times all God's trying to do with us is get us to change the way we think about things. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. 
I get in trouble for not repeating it, so I'm repeating it. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 3 said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You notice that? A pattern there? Shell. Futuristic. Future. Now, I've mentioned several times that, that we have blessing chasers nowadays. People in the, in the church and Christianity who are constantly chasing blessing. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. They're chasing blessing. But God's people live in blessing because they realize the eternal perspective. If you're looking for it all right now, you might not be too happy when it's all over. And this is why this modern gospel doesn't work. It doesn't work. We used to preach, you surrender to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and receive Him into your life, and you are sealing yourself for an eternal reward. But nowadays we try to sell it as an instant thing. You know, your, your, your kids are acting up, they, they wrote on the wall, your car broke down, the dog's acting stupid, and, you know, whatever the case is. And, and so, uh, just come to Jesus and He'll solve all those problems. And so people come to the altars, they say a quick prayer, they go back to their seat, and pretty quickly they realize nothing's really changed. My dog's still acting stupid, and the kids are still writing on the walls, and all that stuff's still taking place. But... God's people have an eternal perspective. They realize that all that blessing may not happen now. He said, if you do these things, blessed are the, uh, are the meek in spirit, or the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, blessed are they which mourn, for they shall be comforted. Your comfort might not come today. But do you hold on in faith even though the comfort isn't today? Because we have an eternal perspective. That it may not be right now. Blessed are they which uh, are blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We will, as God's people, inherit the earth. Are you going to inherit it today? I doubt it. Might, <laughs> but I doubt it. And he goes on in the same thing. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We have to have an eternal perspective, folks, that if we get this and we live in this instantaneous satisfaction day, we pull into that drive-through, that, that that guy's got two minutes to get me my food in my hand, or there's gonna be war. <laughs> we want it right now. Instant. We got everything. My wife always laughs at me because I'll think, wow, oh, I wonder if so and so still alive. I don't know. I Google it. Boom. Right. Yeah, about that. Or we'll talk about, what does such and such mean? I don't know. Google it. Instant answers. Well, we like that. She calls me the Google master. I, get, I start Googling things because I'm curious. I want to know what has, what's going on. We're used to that right now. Well, let me tell you something about living for God. You don't get it right now. 
But we have a, a hope. We have a blessed hope. We have a joy in knowing that it is coming. We are serving a God that has an eternal perspective for us. There is a place. I am going to prepare a place for you. And He will come again and take us unto His own. He will do that. So God's people have an eternal perspective. God's people realize that it didn't come from you anyway. Now when you have the weight of making your life blessed or, or, or miserable... That's a big weight sometimes. You know, and that's where the old uh, PMA thing didn't work. Positive mental attitude. You know, everybody was, was wanting to run around and thinking they're going to change their life by positive mental attitude. You may change the way you perceive your life by positive mental attitude, but your life is only going to get changed on a spiritual level, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not by... You can, you can positive yourself right into hell. <laughs> You know, you can be positive all the way to hell. I often relate, you know, you go up into a, well, that missing jetliner. God knows what happened to it. But if it crashed and that thing was heading to the ground, you can go, well, I'm, I'm just positive. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm positive. I'm going to keep a positive attitude. I don't think we're going to hit the ground. By golly, we're not going to crash. <laughs> you know, and it's all over. Positive mental attitude doesn't help you in the long run. Knowing Jesus Christ in the free pardon of sin helps you in the long run. You can, you can look positively at things and it'll help you. We need to have a positive perspective on our life. If you sit and focus on the negative, somebody has hurt you. And I, I, I want to say this. I want us to be in prayer about this as a church. All around us, there are people who have gotten hurt in church. They're here. They're all over the place. They've been hurt. Somebody said something to them. Somebody did something to them. Something happened. They, they had a, a bad pastor. They had a uh, whatever. There's a million reasons. Then you say, well, that's just an excuse. We know it's an excuse, but that doesn't make the hurt any less real. The hurt is still real. And the hurt. And I want us to always be in prayer that God will reach them and bring them into the house of God. Uh, whether it's here, whether it's anywhere that preaches the gospel, I want people to be in the house of God because communion with God's people is a must for a Christian. It's not optional. Relationship with God's people is vitally important. And we have to realize when you're blessed, you, you have a perspective that God, your Father, owns it all anyway. You know, that really helps. When you're, you know, 15 years old and your, your dad's Bill Gates... And he only gives you like a $10,000 budget or something, you know, a, a, an allowance a week. And you, you wonder how you're going to make it on that. Uh, and we go through life and we realize that God has us on an allowance, in a sense. But one day, the whole vault opens up and it's ours. Right? God has us on an allowance, it seems. And some people's allowance is bigger than other people's allowance. It may seem... But we have to realize that regardless of what we have right now, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he owns it all. This all belongs to Him. So one day, the Bible tells us, we will inherit the earth. It's not going to be this old run-down earth that's decaying. It's going to be that new heaven, a new earth. And so blessing is realizing, first of all, that it does not matter what other people have. If you're... Looking at what other people have, believe me, you will be miserable in it. Because they always look better than you. While they're sitting there looking at you, thinking, I wish I had what they got. Mm -hmm. 
Every one of us has situations in our lives that weigh us down, burden us, hurt us. We struggle, we battle. But the way we think about things, I really, I honestly believe that most mental illness is created by people looking at their own problems all the time. They're introverted. It's all about somebody's hurt me. I don't have this. I don't get that. I don't, I don't have all the stuff that I want. My life is miserable. I remember when I was seven years old, eight years old, we were at a friend's house, older fella, alcoholic, drank like a fish all the time, friend of my dad's. We were over there, and I just loved Ken Tracy to death. I always teased around with him, played with him, and, and I was thinking I was a big, bad seven-year-old, and, and he was frail because he was drinking all the time. And I was just playing with him like I always did, shadow boxing him, carrying on. I grabbed his arm and acted like I was going to flip him over my back. He did. He came right on over, right onto the coffee table, shattered the coffee table onto the floor. Things went south from there really quickly. Immediately, my dad starts in on this, my life is miserable thing, everything is awful, now I've destroyed this table that i got to replace, my kids have destroyed this table i got to replace, and he's, he said, I'm just done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm going to end it, he takes off out the door. I'm a seven-year-old who just destroyed a coffee table, and my dad just walked out and basically said he was going to kill himself. The weight of that is not something that a seven-year-old ought to ever have. But you know what happens? It's the same problem. He, he, look, he was looking at his life. I don't have what I want. Things aren't going the way I want. Something's happened that I don't like. And we get focused on that, and it takes our blessing. I want us to change the way we look at things. It doesn't matter what the person next to you has. It doesn't matter what the person next to you gets. And I'll close with this. And I've mentioned Pastor Ford his wife just having that stroke. When I was his associate pastor, we did a radio broadcast every day. Uh, Monday through Friday he did it, and Saturday and Sunday I did it. We recorded the whole thing on Monday. So Monday morning, we're in there, we're, we're recording these, these uh, segments for each day to go on the radio, and all of a sudden the doors open, right, right in between one, a couple of our recordings, and a, a young guy named Ronald Duncan comes flying in. Ronald Duncan was a wet-behind-the-ears, snot-nosed kid who I don't think had ever preached maybe one time in his life. And somewhere along the line, somebody he knew uh, had a church, was in a church that uh, was between pastors. And they needed somebody to fill the pulpit, and they called Ronald. Ronald goes up there to preach. So Monday morning he comes busting in and he said, Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. And we're like, what, what, what? Who got saved? What happened? He said, after service, this guy just walked up to me and handed me all of his stock in this company. He says it's worth $25,000. At that moment, Pastor Jack Ford and I were like David. We were like, what? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, I've been doing this for 25 years. Nobody's ever handed me a bunch of stock. I said, no, it never happened to me either. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. It must have been a Wednesday night service. Ronald comes bouncing in. And he said, you wouldn't believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, I went to turn in that stock. It had split. It was worth $50,000. <laughs> Pastor Jack and I hated him at that point. <laughs> it was off of our Christmas list. <laughs> he goes up the next Sunday to preach for him again. A guy walks up and hands him the keys to a car. 
I said, can I go preach at that church? <laughs> you know, it was a struggle. I'm telling you the truth. It was a struggle. We're sitting there saying, wait a minute. We've been doing this for years. And this snot-nosed kid goes and preaches a second message and gets $50,000. Wait a minute. But you know what? You never know the future. You never know what's going to happen. Ronald Duncan, since he realized that God was going to create in him a world-renowned evangelist, did what any world-renowned evangelist would do. He went out and bought a motorhome and a brand-new pickup truck. And then that church asked him to come be the pastor. And he got, went in there and started pastoring. And he quickly found out that the great majority of the church members were homosexual. Things didn't go real well from there. Uh, of course, he didn't pay taxes on the RV or the pickup truck. And it wasn't long that he lost them. And he was brought down to earth in a very humbling, very difficult way. So when we look at something that somebody else gets, and we think, that is just not fair. I have done so much more than they've done. You don't know what's in the store. You don't know what's in the future. You know what God wants us to do? Be like, like Paul that says, I have learned to be content in whatsoever state I am in. And he's not talking about Arkansas or Oklahoma. He's talking about whatsoever condition, situation you are in. To be content. And then you can truly be happy when the person next to you gets a blessing. That's when you can truly be happy in it. And if you can't be happy, if brother guy goes out into his mailbox and opens it up and found, finds out he won the sweepstakes and won a million dollars, you can truly look at it and say, thank God that, that guy won that. Praise the Lord, friend. <laughs> brother, brother. <laughs> you know, it's not based on your circumstances. It's based on who you serve. It's not based on what you have or don't have. It's based on who sits on the throne. And if he sits on the throne of your life, you can truly say you're blessed. And if things go the way it appears, and we don't have the many blessings that we experience right now living in the United States, we will still be blessed. Amen. Because God will still be on the throne. Will you pray with me? <coughs> Father, I want us to realize as a people that we are truly blessed. You have done so much for us, so many ways. And sometimes we look at what other people have. We look to the right or to the left. We look in front of us or behind us. Lord, I want us to stop doing that and realize that that old house we live in or that old car we drive or, or that job we have or you can go down the list, Lord, I want us to be thankful for them because we have them. We are truly a blessed people. Help us to change the way we think and quit expecting you to give us stuff to make us happy, Lord. Let us be happy with the stuff we have so you can trust us with more. And I praise you for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.